0: Well, let's get into God's Word today. I just ask you to lean in with all of your heart. I believe the Lord's going to really speak to us today. Honestly, this Word has just been astounding my heart this week as I've just gone into scriptures and go back and look at them and, and as I've studied this and as I personally am applying these things to my own life. And so let's go to God's Word. Our theme, of course, is open And we're believing in Jesus' name that our nation is going to open. But until that happens, we are open, our heart is open, our Bible is open, and our mouth is open. And our mouth is open with words that are forceful and powerful. That's what the Bible teaches us. How forceful are the right words. How powerful are words. When you think of it, God Created the worlds with his words. We read in the Bible, in the beginning was the word. And of course, that's in John's gospel. But we also read in the book of Genesis that God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. So everything around us was created by words, God's words. And what's so amazing is that you and I created in the image of God, we also are able to create worlds with our words, worlds of affirmation, worlds of encouragement or deflation. We have in the image of God, we also have on a much smaller scale, of course, but we also have the power of words, words that create worlds or atmosphere, the atmosphere that your children are growing up in, or your marriage is, is, is uh, uh, being lived in, or our ministry. Uh, uh, the words that we speak are so powerful. So you create the world in many ways that you're living in right now. At least the atmosphere, the positive or the negative atmosphere is created by your words. And we read in Proverbs 18 and verse 21 that death and life are in the power of of the tongue words can kill and words can heal man we read in proverbs 10 and verse 11 the mouth of the righteous look at this the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life think look at the visual of that a fountain of life what does that look like Well, I'm not quite sure what it looks like, but I know what it sounds like because it comes out of the mouth of the righteous. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Now, let me read it again from the message. The mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well, whereas the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Oh, my goodness. What a contrast. What a contradiction that I can have a deep life-giving well or a dark cave of abuse. You couldn't find you know, two further ends on any spectrum from something that is deep and life-giving to something that is dark and life-crushing. We're talking about the power of words, your words, the words that I use and the words you use in our everyday life. Is my mouth a fountain of life or a cave of abuse? Proverbs 15 and verse four, it says that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Now, wait a minute, tree of life. We've heard that before in the Bible. We sure have, because in the garden, In in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life. And if you go to the book of Revelation, in the New Jerusalem, there is a tree of life. And somewhere between the garden in Genesis and the new city in in Revelation, you and I have the power and the capacity to to have a, a tongue, words that speak, that are similar to a tree of life. But, and here again, we see the contradiction or we see... Conversely, uh, we, 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 it says, but the per- but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The message says, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. Kind words or cutting words, I have the power and the potential for both. To speak kind. Or to be mad or angry and speak cutting words. Healing and helping or wounding and maiming. Words that bless the soul and words that break the spirit. I have that potential. You have that capacity in your home right now. And in your world around you, you have words that can bless the soul or words that can break the spirit. It frightens me. When I think of how much damage I can do with my words, it overwhelms me. I I, I have this sense of responsibility that comes on me when I consider that I can bring night or light to someone's world with my words. No wonder in the New Testament we're told that we will give an account for every word we speak. Because every word is powerful. Every word can create something. James warns us in the New Testament how dangerous, how damaging the tongue or the words can be. James says in chapter 3 and verse 8, our tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison this is the New Testament when I think of deadly poison I think of like a death adder you know I'm out hiking somewhere and I'm putting my foot down and I'm looking and I'm watching and I don't want to step on a death adder because a death adder has a mouth full of poison I was on my my bike uh, last Friday my push bike it's springtime and I'm out on my push bike. I got swooped by two magpies, had a flat tire. But the most interesting thing that happened that day is as I was riding along the river, I went right past the rowing club and down to the weir and started my way. And right in the middle of the road was a red-bellied black snake on the, right on the trail. I could not pass him on the left. I could not pass him on the right. I stopped about 10 meters, got off my bike, and decided I'll just wait here until he decides to move on. Now, why would I do that? Because he has a mouth full of deadly poison. Now, I'm much bigger than him, and I outweigh him, and I could probably throw rocks or run faster, but I just stood there, and I didn't want to have anything to do with that red belly black snake, the 10th most deadly snake in Australia, according to some books. Why, would, why? Because he has a mouth that is full of deadly poison poison but we can have a vocabulary as venomous as any viper we read in psalm 140 and verse 3 the tongue their tongues sting like a snake the venom of a viper drips from their lips oh my Their tongue stings like a snake. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. If I would avoid a a serpent, a a viper, a a snake, if if I would have so much awareness and alertness to that, Why wouldn't I look at this scripture and it make me alert as well and careful as well? The venom of a viper drips from their lips. He's talking about how toxic your tongue can be, how toxic my tongue can be. James goes on speaking about the tongue. He says, with it, we bless God, our father. And with it, we curse men who were made in the image or the similitude of God. With our tongue, we bless God and we curse men made in his image. James says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And then it's almost like he shouts this last thought, my brethren and sister, to my brethren, these things ought not to be so, that out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. The New Living Translation says, this is not right. The New Living Translation, Arizona Southwestern American Translation says, bro, that ain't right. And we read the message says, this can't go on. The passion says, this should never be. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 141 and verse 3, he said, set a guard. Oh, Lord, a guard, you know, like a palace guard, like a, like a gate guard, like a, like, like, set a guard. You know, one of the, one of those big bad boys. Set a guard, oh, Lord, over my mouth. Come on, my sister. Come on, my brother. Oh, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, I have an alarm that keeps watch over the door of my house. And I have an alarm that keeps watch over the door of my car. But the Bible says we need to set an alarm over the door of our lips. A guard. You know, we're taught in the scripture that we should guard our heart. We're taught in the scripture we should, you know, guard our mind, our thoughts, and even our eyes. But I'm telling you, I think it all starts right here. That we set a guard over our mouth, over the door of our lips. Oh, Father, keep me from words that wound. Let me learn the language of light and life. Keep me from the dialect of darkness and death. Let me be fluent in faith, hope, and love. Teach me the grammar of grace. Let me open my mouth with mercy. The New Testament teaches us how to speak. When we're born again, we have to learn a new language. We have to understand how powerful our words are. And Paul teaches us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 29. Here's what he says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. It's like you have total responsibility here. It's like don't you do don't let this happen. Don't just like you wouldn't let that happen. Just like that's never going to happen. Just like you're not going to let that happen. Don't let this happen. He says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that you may minister grace to the hearers thereof. May my mouth minister grace. May it be grace and not venom that drips from my lips. The Good News Bible says it like this. Do not use harmful words, but helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what's needed so that what you say will do good, to those who hear you open your mouth and do good to those open your mouth and talk good to those who hear you words that do good words that build up words that provide what's needed now last week we we went back to uh, a book I wrote in 2007 called the 10 most powerful words that we can say And we're just kind of revising that and reviving that, reprising that in lieu and in light of the world and the, the context of today, lockdown, pandemic. You know, some of us have been in very close quarters with the same people for a long, long time. Some of us haven't even had a haircut in 14 weeks. But what do we say? <laughs> the power of what we say. So we began to look at the 10 most powerful words that we can say. And last week, we, we talked about the first two most powerful words. And that first, first, number one of 10 is I believe. Man, I believe. I believe is what transports me out of the bitumen and concrete and an earthen world, and it moves me into the realm of God where anything can happen. I believe. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, to her who believes. When I say I believe, I move into the realm where God can do anything. I move into the realm of the miraculous when I believe. Jesus said in Luke 18, 27, what is impossible with men is possible with God. But we learn that when we come to God, we must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that seek him. This is what Hebrews 11 and verse 6 teach us, that without faith, I believe, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I believe, I believe all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I believe that no weapon formed against you or your family or your finances or our church, no weapon formed against us will prosper. I believe that God right now is working all things together for good Because I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe and what I know in my soul. I believe. Number two, we talked about the the number two out of ten words. I care. I care. And this is where my world begins to make a difference to someone else's world. Because I get my eyes off myself. And when I care... something's going to change for someone because I care. It's not about me. When I say I care, it's about others. It's about more than me. I care. When I care, I'm being conformed to the character of Christ. Caring is living with this outward focus. We saw last week that when the good Samaritan came by and found the man who had been robbed and beaten and bleeding and dying, The Bible said he felt pity and knelt beside him. That's what what happens. He felt and then he knelt beside him. When I care, there's something in caring that will cause me, it will cause me in my feeling to start kneeling beside others, even strangers, he felt and he knelt because he cared. Now, today, I want to talk about number three of 10 of the most powerful words that we can ever say, and that is, I forgive. I forgive. This is the key to living a life of freedom. I I forgive. You know... The apostle Paul told Timothy, he made a prediction, he forecast what the world would be like at the end of of the world. And he tells Timothy what culture will be like in the last days. And he tells Timothy that he, he describes men in four ways. He says men will be unthankful, unholy, unloving. And unforgiving. That's the culture that Paul says. That the people in the last days. Will find themselves living in. Where men will be unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. And unforgiving. We live in a culture. That is unforgiving. Oh no no. We live in a culture that will cancel you. Not forgive you. Cancel you for what you said when you were 13 years old. You know, 20 years ago, not believe that you could change or grow or become better. No, no, no. You said that, so we cancel you because there is no forgiveness. This is not a forgiving culture. This is a cancel culture. As a matter of fact, nine years ago, I attended the Global Atheist Convention in Melbourne. Dr. Rice Brooks called me up from America and said, Jack, I'm writing a book called God is Not Dead. And I'm going to go attend this atheist conference in Melbourne. He said, would you go with me? You want to come with me? He said, it would be me and you and 4,000 atheists. It would be 4,000 atheists and two pastors there. You want to go? I said, let's go. So I, I, I went with him. And over that three-day conference, which was called a Celebration of Reason, oh boy. But I heard the leading Atheists, authors, evangelists in the world. And in one of Richard Dawkins' sessions, Richard Dawkins said these words. He said, I never forgive. He said, I do not forgive ever. This is indicative of the day. That we are living in. And yet, giving forgiveness is one of the most releasing, liberating, emancipating, burden lifting, life giving things, experiences. The most godlike experience you can ever have is to give forgiveness. But it is countercultural but i have to tell you it's not kingdom counter cultural it is the culture of the kingdom and forgiveness is at the core of christianity i forgive is one of the most powerful things that you can ever say i forgive you know what People have faults. I know because I are one. People, people are offensive. People do things because I'm a people. And 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 you know, I, I I have never earned this, but I have received God's forgiveness. And so we read in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13: make allowances. For each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. And remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. You must forgive others. The Lord forgives you. You must forgive others. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God forgave you in Jesus Christ or in Christ forgave you. So there's kind of like a I am forgiven, I do forgive. I do what I am. I am forgiven. Therefore, I do forgive. I do because I am. It's my born-again nature. I cannot separate what I do from who I am. And I am forgiven And I do forgive. Forgiveness is not just an experience that I I had somewhere there in my life. Forgiveness is how I live my life. That was Siri butting in on my message online. Ignore her. Forgiveness is not just an experience I've had in my life. It is the life that I live now. In Jesus Christ. I live every day in the unbroken flow of God's amazing grace and constant forgiveness. This is the air I breathe. This is what I wake up to every day. This is what I go to sleep to every night. This is what comes in. I take it in and then I give it out. Forgiveness and grace. I breathe it in and I give it out. I receive it. I release it. If I just breathe it in, I will die Until I can breathe it out. Because it has to come in and go out. Forgiveness comes to me. And forgiveness goes through me. I forgive because I'm forgiven. This is the kingdom. This is the world. This is my life. Now, I know that some have taught a teaching. That says we don't need to ask God to forgive us. We're born again, and we don't need to ask God to forgive us. Look, I don't like that teaching. I understand that theologically there may be an argument there, but I don't like that teaching because Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. And so this prayer must be a day. Give us this day our daily bread. So this would be a prayer that Jesus would be instructing us that we pray daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Our debts as we forgive our debtors. I believe we should ask God to forgive us as we also remind ourselves that we forgive others in the same way. If I were to spend the rest of my Christian life never asking God to forgive me, I would somehow neglect to remind myself that I forgive as I've been forgiven. Every day, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. As I also am forgiving her or him or them from their sins. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. If you do not forgive men their sins. Your father will not forgive your sins. Man. My mama used to use a phrase, she'd say, you're just cutting off your nose despite your face. If there were ever an, ex- an example of that, it's right there. It's right there. If you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. And then Jesus tells the story of a man who owed a great debt in Matthew chapter 18. I think many of you would be familiar with the man who owes, you know, like a million dollars or something like that. And he goes to the king and he asks for an extension. His, his due date uh, has come and he can't pay it. But instead of giving the man an extension, something phenomenal happens something out of this world, something from above, something graceful happens. And the king doesn't say, "Okay, I'm going to extend you. I'll give you 36 more months on this debt. I'll give you another." Instead, the king says, "You know what? I cancel the debt. I cancel it." Jesus tells us that that man goes out and finds this guy that owes him money, like a hundred dollars. And this man, who didn't just get an extension, he got a total exemption takes this man and, you know, grabs him by the shirt, pay me what you owe me, pay me, you owe me money, you're, you're due, you're due. And so they go back and tell the king. And this is what Jesus says in verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy now on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he paid every penny. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. You know, the refusal to forgive your brothers or your sisters or other people will put you in prison. This is where this man ends up. He ends up in prison, and that's where you will end up, and that's where I will end up because unforgiveness produces a prison. We will not live in freedom. We will not live glorious. We will not live light. No, no, we will always be in prison, and we've locked ourselves in with our own unforgiveness. We read along these lines in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 through 16. Now this is talking about Esau and we know how bitter he was against Jacob and how you know, he sold, he got, his birthright got stolen and all of that. But here's, here's what we read. Looking carefully, least anyone fail the grace of God. lest any root of bitterness springing up Trouble you, and by this many become defiled. This describes the life of the person who, when God gives you the grace to forgive because you've been forgiven, but you refuse the grace of God and you won't forgive. No, I won't forgive. Well, unforgiveness causes the root of bitterness, and that's what you're gonna have to live with the rest of your life. It's a prison. The root of bitterness is the result of unforgiveness. And the root of bitterness springs up a tree of trouble. There are people begging God to take all the trouble out of their life. And it comes from their own root of bitterness. It grows in their own house, in their own home, in their own world. Oh God, take all this trouble out of my life. But it's the root of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness that has grown up. And the fruit of the tree of trouble is defilement to everyone that comes around you. It's a prison. It's a prison. I forgive. I forgive. I hold nothing against anyone. The moment I hold something against someone, it's just going to, the weight of it is going to wear me down and wear me out. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I do not allow resentment or hurt or hate or malice or malignancy to grow in my heart. I forgive. I forgive. I will not hold the image of someone who has hurt me or violated me or or lied or or stole from me or took something from me, who is so wrong, I will not hold the image of that person in front of me for days or months or weeks or years, at least I become conformed to the very image I'm beholding. No, I forgive. I forgive. I release the past so that I can embrace The future God has for me, a good one, with good plans not to harm me. I will not live my life in prison because I forgive. Culture may cancel, but I forgive. I am forgiven, and I do forgive. This is number three. I don't know, you know, priority, how I could actually say which one is more important of the ten, But I can tell you right now, if you want to live free and blessed with joy, you have to know how to say, and you need to say it all the time, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Man, I forgive. That person was rude. That person was terrible. I forgive. I forgive. I could be that person. I've been rude. I've been terrible. I've been offensive. I've been, and I'm forgiven. And what anyone has ever done to me is just temporal, and it's within the realm of the temporal. But what my... What I've been forgiven in God is in the realm of the eternal. And so the eternal God has forgiven me of eternal sins. And now I forgive temporal men and temporal women for their temporal sins. Because this is all going to pass and it's all going to be over. And I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm not going to have the smoke and stain of what happened to me in the world going with me. Because I forgive. I believe. I believe. I care. I forgive. Father, forgive me as I forgive him. Father, forgive me as I forgive her. Father, forgive me as I forgive them. Can I pray over you today? If you would like to, you could stand or not, but it's up to you. But I believe that this message today could be very life-giving. It is for me. When I consider the great contrast between blessing and cursing that can come out of my mouth, that I could build lives or, or I could destroy lives with my words. I could hold someone in unforgiveness or I could release them and release myself in the process. Father, I want to thank you for our wonderful church family. Precious, precious brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, I'm so grateful. Carol and I thank you. We are so blessed. I ask today that this word would lay hold of us as we lay hold of it. And I pray, Father, that we would be conformed to the image of the word. And that, Lord, today, maybe there has been gross abuse or hurt. I, maybe beyond belief, Lord, things I couldn't even imagine have happened. But I do know, Father, the power of I forgive. And Lord, the moment I forgive, I leave all the resulting consequences of who sinned against me. Now that's between them and you, not between them and me. Because I release them. And now, Lord, they don't have to answer to me. They'll answer to you. and, And I'll leave that to you. And I'll leave that between you and them. But for my part, I forgive. I forgive. I will not go to prison. The prison, this terrible place where I'm locked up With resentment and bitterness, I release. I forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.